Hello and welcome to Vagabond Actors. I am Andrea Helene and joining me are two extraordinary acting coaches here in Europe, Brian Casp based out of Prague. Hello. Hello, Brian, and Gary Condis, based out of London. Hello. Well, I'm excited to talk to you both, uh, as always. So we're going to follow our um, normal format of beginning with uh, a check-in in this unique time, some things that are happening in our artistic communities, artistic lives, and then we'll cover a main topic each episode, and then we're going to circle back with some things that have been particularly inspiring for us that we'd like to share with one another and with our audience. So, Brian, would you like to begin this evening? Yeah. Um, now, I don't know how artistic this is, but it's something that happened yesterday, I think, uh, and it was a Showreel Share Day, uh, where if you're on Twitter, there's a hashtag called Showreel Share Day, and it's I think there's one that happens in the UK and there's one that happens in in America and I think that's in the fall. And so if you look for that hashtag or if you follow people that are using it, then you can actually go and see a whole bunch of um, a really great show reels. And you can also promote yourself. And uh, I know a lot of agents and casting directors look at it. And so I participated in that um, a few days ago, which I thought was worthwhile. And it's nice to see everyone else's work in this time when you can't really get out there. So Wonderful. That's inspiring. It's inspiring. Very good. Well, Gary, what's happening up there in London? Well, a couple of things. I spent, since we last spoke, um, I found this old book on Stanislavski, which I hadn't touched in 20-odd years. I just sat down and started reading it and um, and continued to read it and got absorbed. And, and even though a lot of that stuff that appears in Stanislavski's you know, famous books is redundant now, or at least has been sort of distilled down to more palatable tools and, and understandings. I, it was great to just go over it again, because now that I've got 20, 25 years, if not 30 years distance from it, it helps to sort of embed the that I've had since and, and what I've been working on since. So that was very interesting, just to go back to the godfather of all modern acting and contemporary acting technique. On another note, I came across something very interesting on social media. There was um, one person on one side of the street hanging out their window and another person hanging out their window, leaning out their window, and they were doing the balcony scene from Romeo and Juliet. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I don't know if they were actors or not. I don't. I really don't know. But, the, you know, the bad side effect is where people were stopping to take it in, which was like, you know, you can't hang about. You need to be like, you know. <laughs> six feet apart, everyone. You need to be six feet apart. And you gotta, but, um, Can I ask you about the Stanislavski review? Um, did you come away with maybe some more compassion for young actors who take on that material and try to ingest it and understand it and put it into practice <laughs> given the years uh, of training and experimentation that you have now under your belt since you first take took a look yeah well both really i mean it actually being a teacher now really hit home the genealogy of all of this you know you look at the three the triumvirate of the three great acting teachers of the 20th century um in New York, you know, Stanford Meisner, Stella Adler, and Lee Strasberg in particular, this side of it now, I realize, having studied them all, how much indebted they are to Stanislavski. It's reading his stuff now and his books. It's, you know, it's, it's a bit intellectual. It's more like, they're more like essays. The, the jargon is kind of buried in there. The technique is buried in, in, in a lot of, a lot of sort of discussion and and theories and concepts whereas nowadays it's it's been reduced down and distilled down to something that is a lot more practical and actable um, um but it's just great to see that actually you know what there's this history that goes back and i think mm. you know you don't have to know it to be able to act of course not but remembering that we're part of this this tradition and now being this side of it is yeah when i'm teaching it and i think when i go back into teaching in the classroom i can perhaps give more insight 
uh, into it by by understanding where it came from and how mm. it's developed. And these guys, Strasberg, My, uh, Meisner and Adler, particularly Meisner and Adler, really took hold of his stuff, uh, Stanislavski's stuff, and really trimmed the fat off it mm-hmm. and, and made it something very tangible. I, I see a lot of acting techniques, or at least teachers out there now or coaches who are dispensing with all of that because it's archaic and Mm. i'm like saying well that's kind of you know that's that's kind of cutting the umbilical cord to the origins of music i mean you know the music still exists but yes you can experiment but there are some universal truths that will always be there um so you know why try and reinvent the wheel yeah it's hard sometimes i think um for you know actors who are developing their craft to have that level of patience and to see things in a longer term and um certainly this study of the artistic tradition the theatrical tradition can help them to tune into the concepts in a way that can be very elegant and um and obviously thoughtful and and I think in a way, it it removes some of the fear that actors have. If you see that these are challenges that have been that have been taken on by so many people around the world, and and it's been given such great thought, and there's been such experimentation everywhere, and that as you say, there are there are some essential principles that that it always comes down to, and I just find that when a student can can take the time to to look into this holistically they they really can bolster their confidence in what they're doing and and they and, and sometimes they think that you know it's just it's not you know what can i do with stanislavski i can't bring that to my audition tomorrow it's not going to be a value to me i don't have the time but again you know the long view <laughs> does have great benefit. And, um, you know, we talked in our, in our last conversation a bit about the, the challenge for younger actors now to develop patience. And I think this is one of those areas I would love to see them in, increase their tolerance for really studying the history of the, of the craft and, and of the theater. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think if you're truly interested in it, then you've got to be truly interested in it. <laughs> you know, I've always been of the of the mind of I've always wanted to want, know what's preceded me in order to understand more about this actual thing that I've got in, in my hands right now. I mean, one of the benefits of looking at it as a long game and one of the benefits of looking at things not in such a transactional way, it, it's not only that it increases the amount of artistry that you have, but it gives you a more solid foundation that you can uh, pull from a lot of different things, but when you when you only have the the tip of the iceberg that is the last five years of of training at your disposal, and you run into trouble, you may not have the ability to connect that up to a greater understanding of oh this is how this problem gets solved or this mm-hmm. is what to do in this situation or this is why we're doing this so that you can take that knowledge and improvise based on whatever your specific situation is it gives you a lot of you know reconnecting at least on some level with what the source material is uh mm-hmm. gives you a lot of extra information that you may or may not need to um that you may or may not need to use but it's it's going to be there for you if you need it mm-hmm. right nothing's wasted is it it's not wasted no absolutely not um, and in, and at the very least you'll have a wonderful afternoon of not putting your books away and just kind of reading this wonderful uh, treatise on what to do as, as an actor <laughs> or how to be as an actor yeah absolutely or how to be yeah it's all grist to the mill it might spark something you know, because we get so, so, so sort of subsumed in all of the stuff now. And let's face it, there's a lot of techniques, or at least there's lots of variations of techniques nowadays, um, that something like that can kind of just maybe kind of, by going going away, going back in history, you can just maybe might actually make the something in the present a little bit more clear. Love it. 
That's great. Well, that's that's a positive benefit of uh, coronavirus cleaning. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, here in Spain, I've been doing lots of cleaning and cooking and baking um, and looking for some of my books, which are still in Los Angeles and are being packed up as we speak. Um, I'm missing a few of them. I'm missing Harold Clerman this week because, uh, you know, we talked about uh, using social media and I mentioned that one of the reasons I like Twitter is because I can follow closely the work of a lot of the arts critics that I admire. And in particular, the Los Angeles Times has some really stellar critics. Um, Charles McNulty is the theater critic. He's just phenomenal. The breadth of his knowledge, his experience, his enthusiasm for the theater and, um, and his writing. I love it. I'd love to follow him. Um, there are several film critics, of course, you would expect in Los Angeles. And uh, Justin Chang is terrific. And Kenneth Turan has been a longtime Los Angeles Times critic, and he's just retired. And this week, they devoted the entire section to, uh, to his work. And there was some really terrific stuff that came through. I'm still, I'm still making my way through it. There was sort of a top list of here's what you should be watching now to keep you happy during the coronavirus self-isolation period that Mr. Turan put together in his final piece. And then there's tributes, of course, from other critics. But it reminded me, again, the many reasons why I love to read the work of solid critics. And so I started to then go back to my Harold Clerman book and then realized it's, it's in Los Angeles. If anyone hasn't read it, it's the, it's the collected works of, of Harold Clerman. It's one of those books that you could just open to at any given day and, you know, put your thumb in and see what you pull out. And then other times, if you're working on a piece, you can look and see if there was a production that he had reviewed. There's a, there's a very substantial index and um, and that's a fun thing too to take a look at the original productions and see see how they were received at the time and um, so there's a you know there's a historical and artistic element to it that's pretty unmatched. As yeah, it's was, a great read, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty fervent. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> great. So should we? Should we get on to our main topic today? For Absolutely. Wonderful. We were going to talk about self-tapes. I know there's a lot of information out there, a lot of sort of, you know, 10 top tips for self-tapes. Um, but, you know, really the truth is, particularly at this moment in time, the self-tape is, is a critical tool for actors. Casting directors are even... Uh, as we know, putting out generals right now while production is on hold. So there's, there's, it's not only the direction of the future, it is our now. And we wanted to talk about why we feel it's important that actors get on top of this and really some of our best insights about how to make the best of the format uh, whether it's a technical issue or an acting issue um, we wanted to just dig down into that a little bit beyond the, you know, make sure they can hear you and see you properly and make sure you're in the frame and follow directions that you've been given and, um, and talk a little bit more about how an actor can go about it in a way that really they can end up with a product that they're, that they're really excited about. You know, we've all looked at a lot of self tapes. We've been in casting sessions and, what are some of the big things that really strike you? What's, what's a big no-no uh, from your perspective that you feel like it's important for actors to understand? And, and what's the most important advice you feel you can give in terms of how to, how to make something stand out? Brian, why don't you kick off? Okay. Well, so mostly for my uh, current career, the, the self-tape, and for now, like you were saying, Andrea, this is the only way, but mostly... Um, almost all of my auditions are self-tapes at this point, even before we were self-isolating. And I actually, to a certain extent, prefer to do a self-tape than than go into an audition. I think a lot of times, you know, the the amount of control that you have over a self-tape 
is um, is huge. The ability to look at it and to and to rehearse it and to go in and and uh, and really tweak your performance in a self tape and really control the frame is is uh, is really huge. Um, you're missing out on some of the feedback that you might get from a casting director. I think if you if it's just with a casting associate, as as you go down from the director to the casting director to the casting associate or or whoever it is that's actually doing the the session, if you're going to an in-person session, the amount of leeway that they will have to give you direction and to get a, a performance out of you and to really work with you is is limited. And so you might not even get that much direction or that much benefit out of doing an in-person audition. So I think that you know a lot of the information that you'll find out there with a self tape is 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 the information that you should start with which is you you need to be seen so you need to take a look at some how you're lighting the frame which could be just to know where your main source of light is where your fill light is and if you can uh get some some kind of background lighting to kind of separate you from the background that would be really great and i've done it in a hotel room where the main source of lighting was a window. And I put up the white bed sheet as my uh, bounce to bounce some light into the other side of my face. So you don't have to have a, you don't have to splurge on a lot of equipment to have a self tape uh, in terms of lighting that looks good. You just need to play around, take, you know, get your phone out or get your camera out or, or a practice um, lighting and what looks good in the frame so that you are well lit. You want to get as much light as possible into your eyes. You want to have shiny, shiny eyes because that is what's going to be the thing that people are looking at. So that's, you know, in terms of lighting, that's good. You don't want to, you don't want to blend into the background either. You want to kind of have a, a, a fairly uniform background, um, a blank, a blue blanket would work. You could use a gray wall and then it's uniform, a bookshelf in the back. That's really distracting is probably not a great idea. And then you want it to sound good. And, and this is where you, you might want to invest if you can in a, a lavalier mic, there's lavalier mics that plug into phones, but you want to be heard and, and uh, you want it to be fairly close to your mouth. You want it to be you that's that's there and not the person that's reading with you. So and, and, and you want it to be clear and, and not distracting and no hums and and uh, weird mic noises. And that's an area where probably you want to invest a little bit. And then, you know, there's just so many things to touch on. I would say um, in Prague, I have a little Facebook group of people that I, whose opinion that I trust and who I know are reliable. And, um, it's maybe, you know, 10 people in the group. And when I, or one of the people in the group has a self tape audition, we put in the Facebook group, Hey, I've got an audition. I need to tape on Thursday and who's available. And then you can pick from the people that say, yes, I'm available. There are online services that you can go to. I think we audition is one. Um, where you can sign up online to have, you can sign up as an actor to, to read with people through their Skype-like application, or you can sign up and have actors that are there that can read with you. Um, you definitely want to have someone that's, that's reading opposite you. I don't need the reader to act very much. Um, it's nice if they are connected with me and looking at me if I need that, but they're not going to have worked on the piece uh, I don't want them to try to give a performance while I'm doing a self tape because more often than not, they'll just slow it down. And I just need them to be aware and be giving me the, the off camera lines. Um, but I also would like a reader who can look at my performance and give me thoughts and give me notes and give me places to go with it. And so we can do a few different types of takes. And then, you know, in the edit, I will, I'll look at the one that I like and I'll choose choose the one that I like best or I, the one that I feel like fits the brief the, the best. You know, like I said, there's all kinds of things. There's all kinds of um, just regular camera techniques that you want to practice. Probably you want to make sure that the people that are, you know, the other characters in the scene that you want to place them in the frame that you're going to be presenting in a specific way. So that, you know, if you're talking to uh, character one and character two, the character one is always in the same place. And character two is always in the same place, you know, and maybe they're on different sides of the camera. The, if I can summarize, take a look at your lighting, get your sound right, 
and um, and then practice before you need to do a self-tape where you're just looking at the lighting and the sound and making sure that everything looks and sounds good. Uh, great. Those are fantastic real-world tips. And it's evident that you are on the front line doing this more so than certainly myself and maybe just at the moment, Andrea, while she you know, reestablishes herself in another part of the world. I'm so immersed in my day-to-day life in teaching the acting and acting technique and in a studio uh even though i coach and i do self-taping it's it's great to be reminded of that because a lot of people get straight into the performance and you know this is a very technically led situation there's all kinds of things to say about performance i, I just was trying to keep it to the stuff that's self-tape specific yeah, it's great because a lot of people forget that that's the, that's you know actors get so immersed in their performance that you know, one, they don't know where we're around a camera, and and, uh, and two, it looks rubbish. Um, what they've done, they spent so much time on the performance, you know, like it's some, they're preparing for an audition that they go into, and everything, all of that is taken care of. But you, we're in a situation now with technology that you've got to take care of that. So people have got to almost be technically savvy too. And to be honest, I, there is, it's like anything really. It's like, it's like self-taping, just like going into an audition room. There are varying opinions. Some people will say, I want you to be off book and others don't. Maybe I've got, a, maybe three, you've got three things that I can sort of throw into the hat. And, and one of them is this idea of the, the script because so many actors spend a lot of their time uh, learning their lines and in in a short space of time maybe from when they get the casting to when they have to submit the tape they they spend their time learning the lines and 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 uh, as opposed to their performance or at least their preparation um and they get worried because they think they're going to get marked down and you know i keep telling them that um you are not going to get a job based on how good your memory is so it's not a huge problem to have your and you know you may disagree brian i mean i don't know i'm sure you are very diligent and if you've got the time you will get your lines down and you probably because you can because you're regularly doing it and maybe learning lines is not a massive problem to you but well I, yeah i do want i do want to mention something but i want you to finish your thought so right. I, I i do have something to say about it but but I definitely want to hear what you have you know, to say. So there's some schools that say, you know, um, I mean, me personally, if I'm sending someone to an audition, if I'm coaching someone to an audition, let's say, let's say you've got two weeks to learn a scene, then for which time, you wouldn't in a self tape. But okay. if you if you have, then you must have your lines down. I mean, that's 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 obvious, you know. But then maybe you've got 24 hours, or half a day, even, or a few hours, or 48 hours. Yes, you must work on it, and by working on it. In terms of your performance, you'll get the lines, you'll be familiar with the lines. And if you have any time over, then you can devote to uh, learning those lines. Having the script in your hand while you are uh, self-taping, some people think that it's a big, big no-no. Others, and these are frontline casting directors, top casting directors, saying they're not too fussed about having the script in your hand. If you if you need the script there to glance at, you must be good at cold reading, or you must be good at reading rather than lifting it off the page. I'm not saying if you're stuck to the script, then then that defeats the object too. But if you're really you know short on time, what is what is the most important thing to have your lines off at the and sacrifice your performance, or have your performance really sort of bringing that and and maybe having a bit of support if you need to to look at the lines you know what's interesting because I, uh, I um as i've talked to a few actors who are doing this a lot and because it's a self-tape there's a there's a really interesting thing that you can actually do in a self-tape because you own the space mm-hmm. right for the most part yeah. maybe you're going into a self-tape studio to do it but even then you for that time you own the space it's not the casting director's space so i know of actors who either have a scrolling app on their ipad and they have the script there and they just read it off their ipad and it and it's off camera so or it's like at it's in their eye line and they read the text as it goes or i know some actors who decide you know what i was talking about like if character a is camera right and character B is camera left, they will decide which lines are going to be to character A and which lines are going to be to character B. And they'll break up whatever they have to say and write it on big cards and just put it, you know, in various places off camera so that it looks like they're looking and that they're being very free with their looks, but actually they're looking to the next card to see. It's basically like, um, like cue cards that they have. And that's definitely a thing that if you don't have enough time I think you can definitely put 
and I've done this before, uh, when I haven't felt like I've had enough time is you basically make yourself cue cards and put, put the lines off camera somewhere where you can easily pick them up if you need them. And you can put them all around the room if you need to. I mean, ultimately, it sounds like, you know, whatever you do, whichever sort of variation of this you do, is you've got to be able to do it and you've got to be able to carry on yeah. and, 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 and make it part of the thing. Self-tapes and, and auditions themselves are a fake situation in terms of you're not doing the scene. You've got to create an in-front-of-camera reality for the person who's viewing it, mm. you know, uh, so that... If you can Im- incorporate these little ways of of dealing with you know with that, then and in terms of the lines, then it's like anything: having a script in your hand, or off camera, or on cue cards, or on a on a rolling um, cue cue board. Then then that's fine because the ideal is to have your lines down and to have your performance and bring it, of course. But there are so many factors that get in the way of that, mainly time, that then what are you going to do? And so I don't think it's a sin to have your script in your hand if you have little time, as long as you can really bring a strong performance with you. And that's an, that's a skill to have as an actor is knowing your lines and having your performance and then being able, if you need to, to just glance and, 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 and pick up the line. It depends on what it is. I... I've had uh, self-tapes where they say, we need this over the weekend, you can go to do it. But usually I get ones that are 48 to 72 hours in advance, sometimes 24. Rarely it's same day with self-tapes. Uh, sometimes it is where they, where they go, we need this in the afternoon and it's the morning or something like that. And then you just, and then, and then it's impossible to really learn it depending on how much it is. If it's a paragraph, you could learn it. But if it's... um. If it's a few pages of scene, you, you're not going to learn that in time. And then nobody will have learned that in time. And so you you would expect everyone to basically not be off book. But like you said, Gary, I mean, it's this is the performance. This is the performance that you're going to give. So whatever you need to do in that time, right? you know, to give to bring the performance, you got to do it because this is it. I love, I love what you've been sharing. I'm completely on board with everything. There's a couple points I wanted to make. One is about the reader. If I have a reader, I feel exactly the same way as you, Brian, about it. But I have to tell you, the majority of times when I've done a self-tape, and there have been a number of them, quite a few, um, I didn't have a reader available to me at that time. And part of it was technical. Part of it was just the time of day I needed it done. Nobody was available who, you know, whom I trusted. Um, and sometimes I preferred to do it without a reader because I knew I really wanted to give myself the time to do it. And I tend to be such a perfectionist about it that, uh, I have to allow myself quite a bit of time because I'm not going to send it in unless I'm really happy. And sometimes I take it down to the wire, but I, the challenge of not having a reader, I wanted to talk about that because sometimes you're just not going to have a reader and it doesn't have to be a disaster. If you think of it as calling upon your expertise in listening, it can really make your performance come alive. Because if I've, if I've got, I tend to prefer to tape using my laptop rather than my phone personally. So if I've got a spot that I feel is my eyeline and I know exactly whom I'm talking with and how I feel about everything because I've done the work on the script, um, I'm focused more in learning the lines. I tend to be focused more on what the pinch is, as we say in Meisner work, the pinch and the ouch. So I, I tend to pay more attention to what it is I'm hearing and then I then I can be spontaneously in the moment receiving the information, having a point of view about it, thinking about my response. Uh, it just keeps me in the in the most moment to moment way possible of functioning. And so sometimes I really like that challenge of not having a reader because I have to be so hyper focused that I'm hearing this person in my imagination. And then at the same time, allowing it to, you know, I'm taking them in as I've conceived of them in my mind. And, um, I'm living out the experience of, of, of being present to what I'm getting and it's all in my imagination, (laughs) but it really can work, um, quite well. 
And so I know it might be really scary for, for people to be in that position. Oh my God, I don't have a reader. I can't do my self tape. But really, if you, if you prepare your script, paying particular attention to the other person's lines and really crafting for yourself, um, that relationship and that point of view that you have about the other character or characters, it could be a real advantage. So I just want to put that out there. Don't be terrified if you don't have a reader. It might you you might be really surprised at what you're capable of. Great. It's funny because I was going to mention about the reader in in the next point, and and you, yeah. you you've you've actually segued into that very nicely without even without even knowing. You know, it reminds me of an old what an old teacher used to say to me uh, when I was in the states. It's like, well, they used to say that there's only one thing you actually need in that situation, and that's the lines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, okay. we'd love a great performance back. We'd love to be connected. We'd love them to be listening. We'd love them to be giving and taking, and all of these things that. Ultimately, with a rehearsal process and, a, and good preparation, we bring on set or to, a, to, to to the performance on stage. But you only really need the lines. And just going back to what picking up on what you're saying, Andrea, is that if you know what those lines mean to you, yeah. and you've done your side of the work, and you've cre- taken care of your side of the fence fully, mm-hmm. and you're approaching it as if they are giving you, as long as you know what it is, they're giving you the best performance, what that best performance is that you need because yeah. you've done your side of the fence, then you can, you know, you can get a dog to give you the lines. I mean, you know, it, it, <laughs> or, or, it, 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 in that situation, because it's, it is fake, you know, and you, the, the, the chances are of you getting a performance back is, is as Brian rightly says, is rare with, when we're getting to performance in a, in a, you know, on set, then, you know, it, that, that also often happens too. We're not getting it, so there's yeah. the, that's. But that's another that's another podcast. I think we 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 can get into when when we're not getting something from our partner. But mm-hmm. you know, in terms of self taping here, you're absolutely right. You know, sometimes it's better not to get the lines off someone because you know that's distracting. If you can use your imagination and you you, you you're you're actually either hearing them or reading them back to yourself, and you know, as you say, then it, the emphasis is on your work. And knowing what those lines that the other person is saying to you, the reader in this case, or not the reader, if you're not having a reader, um, uh, what they mean to you. And as long as you know what they mean to you, you're taking control of it. And, you know, it's a fake situation that can be done, you know. And as you well know, I get a lot of students going, yeah, but, you know, we work in class to really work off the other person and respond and be connected and be truthful in the moment, moment by moment, you know, unanticipated moment. I'm going, yeah, but this is not that. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is the real world. Yeah. And this is as far as way you can get, you know, I mean, I often say, and I don't know, it'd be interesting what you, you think, but you know, you know, the Meisner technique, or at least the early part of it, I don't know how much of that is helpful in a self-tape situation, of course, to an extent, but it's it's not it's not the same as being in a performance and really working off the other person who's also worked with you in rehearsal or you have a certain kind of relationship with. Um, and it doesn't need to be, like you say. If you're talking about not, not having a reader and still being able to work, that's the value of imagination mm-hmm. and knowing your side of things, like you say, a point of view. And right. then you can work with anything, you know. Um, exactly. And another thing that I about the reader, which I've um, come across recently, actually, uh, as I've been working is, and I'm sure you'll appreciate this as, again, coming from a school of, of, of thought where, you know, make it about the other person, put your attention on them, you know, very Meisner based. I've had so many actors who are self-taping and I've come in to coach them and they've brought a reader with them, a friend of theirs or their partner or whatever. And, you know, the person behind the camera is giving it so much. He's really giving it to, and, and I'm going, listen, you're in danger of squashing this person's read. And even though you're off camera. Absolutely. And, and, and it's, it relates back to um, what you were saying earlier, where uh, Brian, where you just want them to clearly say the lines because, you know, it's like a take, it's your side and that's, you know, you need to hear them and they need to be heard on, on the, on the camera. But you know, the rest is, is, is fat. And they're like, they'll argue, no, but you know, we're taught to be really, you know, connected. I'm going, yes, but the problem is it's distracting. Uh, and I, you know, I tried to put this over and 
I was vindicated because their agent, <laughs> the agent, <laughs> he says both. Yes. Yes. You <laughs> won, Gary. Yes. That's a win. It was a win. <laughs> you know. And the, the agent came back to them and said, you need to do this again because your reader is louder, a lot louder than you and is drawing attention from you and is, is too much. Mm-hmm. The casting director's perspective is they're sitting there with however many self-tapes for this role, right? So I've taped the role of Rose, and she's looking at 40 tapes, one after the other. She knows the scene backwards and forwards. She knows how the director feels about the scene. She knows what she's looking for. She wants to see something new and interesting. She wants to see somebody who knows how to function as as a performer, who's organic and truthful and and interesting. And, um, and suddenly a reader pops in and kind of blows her ears out a little bit. And now she's, she's taken out of her own focus, right? Character. She's, she's exploring, I'm saying she, the casting director is, is exploring her own understanding, interpretation, expectations for this character. And that's where her own focus is. And so then the reader in particular can, it can be almost offensive when the reader's presence is so, is so prominent because suddenly she's, she's also taken out of her, her imagination. Yeah. So I'm totally turned off. I mean, that's, you know, you've, yeah. you know, I, I keep saying to, to actors is like, don't do anything that will mark you down. It's about, you know, it's as much as what you do do. It's like what you don't do as well. It's like, just, yeah. just don't, you know, and it, and it doesn't mean that they don't like your performance. It just means you are adding noise to yeah. their ability to, to stick in their mind. Yes. Now, that's it. I, I wanted to bring up, a, I think a very important point that I've learned through years of doing these. And I think this is true of any audition and probably of any even performance, although with a performance, you have a director who has more of a say, but within whatever brief you get to prepare this audition, this is who this character is. This is what we want to see with Andrea's point of that. You're, you're, if you imagine a casting director watching 40 of these, you want to come in and, and, and your point, Gary, about, you know, having a unique, a unique point of view and a, and a, and a strong point of view, you as, as an actor, and especially when doing self tapes where there isn't, you don't have the, the casting director who so many times we look to them and go, did I do it right? Did I do what you want? Did it, you know, is this what you want me to do? Right. You don't have that. And so you have to go with, this is what I want this part to be. This is my take on this part. And this is what I'm going to go with. And to a certain extent, and I think this is, this is a good advice with all auditions. You have you, to a certain extent, you have to say, I don't care what this part is supposed to be. I'm going to do my version of this part. Mm-hmm. And that's within certain parameters, right? You know, if you, if you're way off, off in left field, then that might be interesting, but it might be, you know, they might, that might be a detriment. Yeah. But you've still got to serve we, the scene. Right. You got to serve the scene, but you got to do it in your way. And the times when I've really just said, you know what? Fuck trying to do it right. I'm going to just go for it and mm-hmm. do it my way and just commit to whatever it is that I'm doing in this moment. Those are the times when it's really popped for me. And, and I think that, you know, with Andrea, you were talking about, you know, the perfectionism, but the mm-hmm. times when it's really worked are the times when I go, no, this is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it. And, and I don't care so much if, if I do the part right, mm-hmm. if I do the part the way I think they want me to do the part, because I can't most of the time just do it the way they think, the way I think they want me to do it. I, you, as an actor, you don't really know what they want. Mm-hmm. You, right. you, so all you can do is your version of this thing. And, and the more you commit to that, the, the more likely you are to pop out of those 40 people. You can, you can imagine that 20 of them are trying to do the part correctly and, and not being true to themselves. And because they're not being true to themselves, they're not really committed to it. You know, so that's, so you're putting yourself ahead of these people. Even if you're not right for the part, you might be right for a different part. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Absolutely. You know? I mean, there's a, that's there's like a, auditioning one on one, but you know, that's yeah, very yeah. true in self tapes when right. you don't have that feedback. Absolutely. And you need, and it needs to be reiterated, even though these are maybe, you know, not original points, they are, you know, very ingrained in the process of self-taping or auditioning anyway, you know, and a couple of, a couple of things come out of that is you cannot second guess what they want. Mm -hmm. You cannot, because if you do that, you've got one foot astride each other and you know, you're just, your legs are just going in opposite directions. And it's like, don't, you're in the middle of nothing. It's just beige. It's bland if you're trying to, and all confused. Most of the time I hear from Carson is that they don't act, they've got certain criteria, but they don't actually know what they're looking for until someone bangs them over the head with it and go, that's, that's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. how, you know, so how, how can you second guess what they don't even know themselves? Mm. You know, exactly. Uh, so, and, and following on from that, if you do something bold, and 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 really committed and interpreted in a way that you want to do it and you've brought some creativity to it and and at least some some bravery to it then you may not get the part but they won't forget you so therefore always auditioning for two things the role and the casting director who will then put you on a a, a, a pile of I like them. They're not right for this. They were a bit off with this. They didn't didn't quite understand it. But you know what? I like them, and they that I'll find something for them. And, the, and if you get known as the person that always comes up with something interesting, mm-hmm. then that's really good. Yeah, yeah. that's really good. good. Just Brian, really quickly on the idea of perfectionism. You know me well. You know, for me, what that means for me is I want to make sure that the moments are clear. And my understanding of the moments and the points of view that I've developed are clear and they're in my behavior and that I've got those down. But I I do want to suggest that, um, because I really, I really am in line with what you're saying and have seen that as well in the results of my own auditions. You know, when I've, when there's just been that special piece of something the the little, you know, I don't really give it an F, um, sometimes Mm -hmm. best result, but to allow yourself time in your session, in your taping session for some, you know, whether, whether you think of it as a sort of throwaway or extra takes or whatever it is, you know, it's a gift to me, to my perspective on set when a director says, we've got it. So let's just play around. We've got another 10 minutes. Absolutely. So let's play with it and see what comes up. And sometimes it's just, sometimes you don't have the energy to make it any, anything really outstanding, but sometimes it's just magical. And so I really suggest that actors, you know, try and try and do what you want to accomplish, uh, in your session and then give yourself some more takes let you know be your own director and say let's just play around now like if you really think she should be a little bit you know more of a hippie a little out there maybe she smokes some dope before this whatever it is like something that's going to loosen me up or make me feel a little more giddy whatever it is that I think is a flavor that I'd like to explore a little bit that's going to be relaxing or exciting to me it's going to bring out another color Mm -hmm. that I'd like to play around with then I then I I play around that way. And sometimes that's the, that's the take that I submit. Sometimes it isn't, but I, yeah. it's, it's um, that, that's a really important thing. Yourself that permission to play. Absolutely. And that's really important because then in the session, you're going to get maybe more than you ever thought that you would get. Or, yeah. and, and you know, it's funny. There's been, there's been times when I've 86 to take because I felt like oh, I'm not in this I'm not there and it, it, you know because it's a self tape you can 86 it you could just stop right and go ah, let's just start again right but then when I watch it back a lot of times I go why did I stop that one that was okay that was fine you know so I think you know there's a there's a huge learning curve with that um, and you were asking earlier Gary about line learning and and for me. I have a thing and I might be growing out of it now, but I certainly had it for a, for a good amount of time where if I wasn't solidly off book, I couldn't let go and just be free in the moment. Mm. If I started to go off in a direction on the script, which I knew wasn't correct, I would freeze up and kind of pull out and all my, you know, my brain would turn on and I'd be like, Oh, I need to solve this problem and completely out of the moment. And so I've learned that 
in order for me to be really free in the moment, and this is a very personal thing. I'm not saying this is, this is true for everyone, but this could be the case that if I go into that session really well off book, and I would say, you know, with a standard, let's say I'll, you know, I'll get an audition in this one scene. Maybe if it's a larger part, it could be two or three scenes, but, um, you know, usually it's between four and seven pages of text that you'll get. Uh, maybe three, maybe it's a paragraph, but whatever. Um, and if I have 24 hours, I'll be off book. I once had an audition for something where it was 10 pages, like lots of monologue chunks, you know, it was full, 10 full pages and I had 48 hours and I went in and that was an actual in-person audition. And we did it two takes of each scene. And I was like, yep, that's it. Okay. We're done. You know, it was like totally good. So, but that was like, painful memorizing session. But I know that if I hadn't spent the time trying to memorize and doing the other work too, but trying to memorize it, then I would have gone in and frozen up because I, for myself, I know that if I don't have the lines down and even more than I think I should, right. Then I'll just freeze up. So, so there's a certain, there's a certain aspect of that. Um, and I just derailed myself and I don't know what I was going to say otherwise, but that's, no, but I that's what, me. Yeah. What, one thing to say about that is, is, you know, you are, you've had lots of experience and you, you're able to do it in, you know, you have that agility of mind to be able to learn lines quickly and bring in the performance, you know, and for actors who are starting out who maybe don't have that or are haven't, not just starting out, but haven't, you know, a bit rusty and not yeah. work so regularly. Yeah. It does get easier as you do more of it which is it which is a lesson you know so if you're if you're out there and you're not doing a ton of self tapes because you're you know you're not at that stage where you're getting a lot or whatever there's a i'll have to find it i should have i should have looked at this ahead of time but there's a there are services where you can do like a 30-day self-tape challenge where you'll get sent a scene one scene a day and you got to turn in a self tape every day, you know, and, and after that you'll be a lot better at, at picking up stuff, knowing what's important. One of the things about, um, this self tape group that I have, you know, it's not, it's not anything special. It's people that I know from the community. And I said, Hey, I know that you're, you sometimes have self tapes that you have to do. And, and I do too. And so why don't we, you know, just, if you need someone to read for you, I'll be happy to read or, and give you notes if you want it or not. And if, and if I have something, I'll, you can read with me. But what it, what it does is that you can, if you're not someone who is regularly doing this for an actual audition, you can still uh, get together with friends and say, okay, we're going to, for, for the next two or three months, every week, we're going to do a self-tape, you know, and we're going to just hold ourselves to it. And that will, like I said, I think at the, the, the first session, like there's nothing that's going to keep you from acting. If you want to act, there's nothing that keeps it from you. It's not, it's the, the fact that you're not doing it. It's not because your agent isn't calling or because you don't have an agent that's, that's giving you self tapes. It's because you're not doing it. And so that, which is great, which is great news because that means that you can choose to do it and do it, you know, and, and it's there for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. it's a huge amount of, and now, and the reason we're talking about this now is because you, uh, assuming that you don't have children, <laughs> which it makes it harder if you do, but you have the time to do it, to go and do self-tapes. Mm-hmm. Quite right. It's just another thing that you can practice. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I think it's been a great conversation um, about self-tapes and hopefully, you know, really helpful for people who are who are facing that right now and, um, you know, to get them some confidence that they have some control over what they can do and create. And, um, it can be a really exciting approach to, to the audition process. So thank you for the conversation. Absolutely. Cool. So now I guess we move on to, uh, what we have, uh, seen or heard this week that is, uh, that has sparked us. What do we like? So, Andrea, what do you what have you seen or heard this week that you uh, great performances that you sparked, uh, or something like that? But there, I have not been as sparked this week. Um, I did participate in a virtual choir though earlier today, out of based out of uh, Munich, 
So I was singing with Germans and we had a fabulous time. It was really (laughs) wonderful. (laughs) That's important nowadays, having it. Did they require you to sing in their German accent in English? No, it was, uh, of course, a song that was done in English. So we were all singing in the English and uh, it was (laughs) much fun. So I think it's going to be about a two-month turnaround before they have that edited, but it's fun to be a part of the process and to see how different organizations are handling the learning of a, of a piece and the instruction, and it was, it was terrific. So that was, that was one of the most fun things I've done all week, really. Um, and uh, and some time in uh, um, more time in meditation and yoga to find the joy in the offerings that we have at the moment in this self-isolation period. So I, I, I felt that this week I needed to go inside a little bit more and touch base with the own, you know, the daily choices that, that I have to make about my attitude, my approach, what I would like to accomplish, what I'd like to spend time doing. So that was my journey. What about you? Um, I, uh, you know, what's interesting. I probably should have talked about this at the beginning and talked about what I did at the beginning, at the end. It doesn't really matter. It's all, it's all good. Um, I, uh, I've listened to two podcasts now that have talked about financial security. It's not really what great performance is that I've, uh, that I've seen that have really sparked me, but, um, this definitely kicked me in the ass. Um, all signs are pointing to a global recession slash depression that's coming on the, on the heels of whenever we get out of quarantine. And so, uh, I spent some time thinking about, uh, cash flow and, uh, and what money is going out and, uh, trying to, um, really, really look at and kind of pare down and prepare for, um, the coming financial hardship that is about to rain down on us. So that's pleasant, but, um, but I think it's worthwhile. And I think that there's a very interesting, um, I listen to a lot of, um, to a lot of different kinds of podcasts. Some of them are about screenwriting and there's a podcast called on the page, which is a screenwriting podcast. Mm -hmm. And one of the most recent, episodes was about it was it was recorded before the real impact of the of the pandemic has had really come but it was about how artists can be thinking about saving and building their business to be profitable and how to try even if you're working a day job how to try to set money aside for um, the intermittent cash flow that is being a working artist, um, which is that when you get paid, you get a lot of money and then there's a lot of time when you don't get paid and how Mm -hmm. to kind of, how to kind of make sure that you're, you know, having a certain amount of liquidity in your, in your financial life so that you can maintain a certain lifestyle between jobs. And that's, you know, and I think this is an extreme case, but it's certainly worth a listen to go and listen to on the page and, and listen to their advice there, you know, and it, and it basically is basically come, it could basically comes down to set aside a percentage, a predetermined percentage of what you earn so that you can have that money to be, you know, funding you when you are not earning. And it also on the other side of it is look very, carefully about at what you are spending so that you aren't, you know, basically spending as much or slightly more than what you earn, um, Mm -hmm. which is, um, I think the key to a successful financial life is that you don't spend more than you earn anyway. So you should uh, listen to it. It definitely sparked me and it's not a very happy topic, but, um, it's, uh, I think necessary. And we might probably, we might be talking more about that as we get into that phase of the, uh, the pandemic, but that's what I've spent my time doing. How about you, Gare? Uh, well, 
following on from uh, last week, I have got stuck into uh, the second season of Succession. Yes, uh, there you go. Yeah. Bring it home, Garrett. Come um, on, there we go. I don't know if you remember me saying that. You know, you know, when I mentioned it, you were like, "Yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it?" And I said, "Yeah, it's ninety percent fantastic, but ten percent, I'm not quite sure about." Well, that has now increased, and that ten percent has been absorbed into the ninety percent and become a hundred. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm not a mathematician, and that's why you were talking about finances, and I'm not. Um, but yeah, I'm now a hundred percent behind it. It is so absorbing, and it's you know, and the characters are you know fantastically drawn but it's also the world that is created it's fantastically nuanced but very clear and detailed and complete and also the writing is fan- the, the amount of humor in it which is you know not obviously not not played so much for humor but it is in there and that's why i couldn't quite get hold of it to start with um mm. or there was something kind of like there's something askew here and i think it is i think it's a slightly askew um yeah. series um sort of con- yeah. concept um because there's plenty of it's not that it's played comedic it's not that it's played straight either and it's it's got this quality of almost like a reality show because the camera's roaming and there's these real people in, albeit in a, you know, high, high finance media world. Um, so there's got this sense of sort of reality show to it, but also, um, very real drama and humor and, and, and yeah, I'm completely, um, completely uh, into that. And tonight we are setting up the last two of the fight of, of season two, the last two. Uh, so yeah, in four days. You have, you, yeah. In four days. Pop some popcorn, Gary. Great. Get yeah. some popcorn on. You're going to love it. But I, yeah, I understand <laughs> now what, what all the fuss was about and why you were so sort of, um, into it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> It, it, don't you think it is a bit? I don't know. It's it's, and that's the sign of a great show. Is that it's not quite what I expected, or at least it has brought something. Even though there are, you know, this roaming camera and like loose camera, and and, and you know, it's nothing new. And the way it mm-hmm. punches in, you know, that's nothing new. But along with the writing and the style of acting, the acting is you know full on, and 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 also what I had a problem with first of all was. It was just everyone. It was seemed to be one note, which was everyone is fucked up and they are just at each other's throats in every scene. And mm-hmm. of course, but there is an, an amazing artistry to be able to maintain that while still having a story unfold, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and which is, I think, is they found a little because, you know, in every note, the character of Roman does literally behave like a, you know, a spoiled child and and is sardonic and ironic and and mocking in every scene and um it's 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 brilliant it reminds me like a dramatic version of Shit's creek the lesson i think you could take from it for for acting students and people who are looking at how do you do this when you watch it watch the stakes yeah. because the scenes themselves are so if you read them on the page you're like uh, there's nothing going on there's nothing here. They're saying nothing. But you watch it performed and everything, every exchange is the highest stakes, yeah. which is what's hard to maintain is that the state, you know, it just goes from high stakes to high stakes, you know, and there's some breathing room, which is the comedy, but like, but it's, but, but not for long, real, <laughs> not for long, yeah. not for long. And certain characters have more of it than others, mm-hmm. but, where but, you kind of, where you can kind of rest a little but, bit from the, from the pathos, but but I, I just love the stakes of the. Yeah, it's tense. There's know. tension there, and the, the humor comes from the high stakes and the tension that is created, out of mm. which some lines just seem kind of like a, a little safe, a little valve for which to release the pressure, absolutely, uh, and how they deal with it. But it's yeah, it's fantastic. So uh, thanks for that tip. Excellent. Well, great. So this has been uh, the self-tape Vagabond Actors. And uh, so we will leave it here and we will see you guys next time. Um, As always, uh, if you have any questions for us, uh, any kind of technique or business questions that you would like us to to dig apart on on the show, definitely get in touch. Uh, Andrea, where, where can people get in touch with you if they want to? Oh, well, I'm on Facebook and um, I'm also on Twitter at Andrea underscore Helene, H-E-L-E-N-E. 
And uh, I'd love to talk to people there. Great. Gary? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and it's all Gary Condes. That's Gary Condes, C-O-N-D-E-S, at Gary Condes on Instagram or Twitter. Great. And uh, I can be found on uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. I was going to say Grinder, but I'm not on Grinder really. Um, no, uh, as, it's the uh, podcast. I know it's a different podcast. I'm sorry. That was my. That was the next podcast that I'm recording. This is Sunday night. Um, we do. I'm sorry. That's, I'm that's sorry. Friday. I apologize. Uh, but you can find me at, uh, at Brian Casp, um, B-R-I-A-N-C-A-S-P-E. And that's that handle on, I think, everything. Um, so great. So get in touch, uh, ask us questions. We would love to, uh, we would love to hear from you. And, uh, and for all of us, uh, that's good night. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Good night. <laughs>